Welcome to the Cult Video Vault. It gives me no pleasure whatsoever to present your hosts, Robbie and Greg. Hello and welcome to the Cult Video Vault. I'm Robbie with my co-host Greg. In every episode, we pull a movie from the vault and discuss its qualifications as a cult film. Greg, how are you? I'm lost. I don't understand why people love this movie. It's not fair. Uh, today we delve into a massive and confusing maze and find 1986's labyrinth the final feature film directed by jim henson it features contact juggling impressive and terrifying puppets and david bowie's ridiculous cod piece dance magic dance jim henson creator of the muppets and george lucas creator of star wars take you on a dazzling adventure there's nothing to be afraid of Turn back, Sarah, before it's too late. She must be stopped! PG starts Friday at a specially selected theater near you. I never finished this movie as a child. Hey, same. It scared me. Man, it never held my interest. Like, it literally terrified me. And also, I'm like, this is not a movie my parents would want to watch. Like, this is not Mm -mm. line up with their, oh, let's watch a fantastical film featuring David Bowie and a bunch of Muppets. They are not going to want to watch this. It's more like, oh, there's something on. Let's put it on for Robbie. And then I watch it and start crying because (laughs) all the puppets are terrifying. Dude, so I've got got a four-year-old daughter, a seven-year-old son. My four-year-old was in the room when we started it, and she got like five minutes into it and was like, Dad, I don't like it. I don't like this movie. And then my wife had to carry her out of the room uh, so they could go watch something else. But my son watched the entire film and enjoyed it. Good for him. Good for him. That's all I can say. My experience watching this today, which honestly might be the first time I've actually watched this movie all the way through. Same. Probably is. Because I was like, oh, I'm going to watch it. I'll put it on. And I thought it was fine. I don't think it's terrible. I think there's lots of really interesting things in it. Yeah, but also I think it's mostly just fine. I think it's it's very strange in places, and I still, even as an adult, I don't like the puppets. They are they <laughs> they they unnerve me. Yeah, they they disturb me. The I, way they look, the way they move, I can see that. The only thing that sticks out to me as horrifying is whenever she falls down the hole and all the, the hands. hands yeah. All the helping hands, right? Yeah. Oh my god. That is nightmare fuel. Hoggle is terrifying. I hate Hoggle. The rest are are fine. I I don't have a problem with the rest of the puppets. I think it's the little goblin guys. I don't like any of those. I don't I hate Hoggle. I think Hoggle is the biggest problem for me. Like, yeah, the helping hands is gross. It is definitely and the little junk lady. Ugh, I don't oh. like her either. <laughs> yeah. I don't like a little I don't like the junk lady. Uh, I don't I hate Hoggle and Hoggle's in a lot of the movie. Yeah, he's he's in a lot of it and he I hate looking at him. Yeah, I don't like it. And obviously this movie is very dreamlike. You could even argue that maybe it is a dream. You know, oh, you don't. Yeah, even- yeah it's it's so this is an amalgamation of like Alice in Wonderland and Wizard of Oz. So you really you know that this is a otherworldly dreamlike little girl's thing you even see her kind of dabble in it at the beginning of the movie you see her in her little make-believe world 
Yeah, there's a lot of ties to the real world. Like we see her dog, and then we see the dog again in the labyrinth world, used as a used as, as a, a steed. as a steed. I love that little character though. Um, the little fox, Sir Didymus. Yeah, Sir Didymus. I do like that little character. I think that one's good. I think the problem for me is that this feels like a mishmash of a bunch of different things that we've already seen. And there's nothing for me to cling on to. Now, that's just me personally. There are people that fucking love this movie. Ray, the movie hag, sent me a text message after I had rated this three stars on Letterboxd. Like, how dare you? (laughs) This is my favorite movie of all time. Why would you give it only three stars? And I'm just like, you know what? It just meanders a ton. If I have a hot take, I don't know if this is a hot take. I don't know if this is the popular opinion or not. I think the music in this movie is bad. I think that there are like one or two okay songs. I, I just, I every time there's a song, I'm like, okay. I just am waiting for the song to end so we can get back to like something happening. The song should be good. This is effectively a musical to a certain extent. Uh, there's right. multiple songs, multiple dance numbers. I the music should be good. It should carry, mm-hmm. help carry the movie. And you have David Bowie. David Bowie. I love David Bowie. I, I love think David dude. Bowie is one of the coolest motherfuckers that ever lived. And his I like largely like his music, all eras of his music. Mm-hmm. Like I like his I like the seventies. I like the eighties stuff. I like the nineties stuff. I like every. Like there, every single step along the way, I was there. I'm like, whatever you're doing, Dave, I'm I'm with you. But this stuff, I'm just like, you have this powerful, charismatic guy, a certified rock star, and his acting isn't the problem. It's the when it's the story I, and the script. Yeah, it's just kind of ethereal and dreamlike. You kind of say a mishmash of things. Like, is this a children's film? Right. No. Not really. Yeah. Not it's, at least not most kids. Like what I I had the same reaction. Your daughter. I'm like, I don't like this. I don't want to watch it. <laughs> but see, so my wife, my wife told me that she used to watch this all the time as a kid and really likes this movie. So I know it, there was, it, I understand why is, my son likes it. He's got half her DNA. So <laughs> it's, it strikes me as like, there's all those those clips that and I think they just top up my mind because Halloween just happened. And there's clips of like a someone dressed up as a giant horrible monster and it looks really good and they're walking around messing with kids. Mm-hmm. And you'll see two reactions from the kids. Either utterly terrified, start crying immediately, run away behind their mom, and the other kids are like <gasps> they run up to it. Yeah. They want to touch it. They want to hold its hand. Like they want to like talk to it. Yeah. And it's. I think if you're the second half of those kids, the latter group, I think you're probably more okay with this kind of movie where there's parts of it where you're like are intimidating and a little dark. And they even said, "Oh, we wanted to make this movie lighter after the Dark Crystal." Oh my god, a, that's hilarious. Which is which is a heavier movie, but it's still like the puppet designs are still really intimidating and and dark. Yeah, and the weird. whole movie like, is kind of shot through this dreary tinted lens yeah and i think like i get it like it's supposed to be a fairy tale we're looking through the lens of from one reality to another it is playing with alice in wonderland and grimm's fairy tales and uh and uh where the wild things are 
it's not for adults though because the themes are so simplistic it's there's not like there's nothing complex in this it is like oh we're watching a teenage girl go through a maze and it's like it's silly and there's there's very serious things and you're like worried she's gonna die and then there's just like dance numbers with these most obnoxious muppets that ever lived the stupid fire i hate oh that's nightmare fuel too man i hate the fireies I hate the fireies. Uh, they're so annoying. Maybe racist. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think they're racist. <laughs> and there's even like, there, there's them. There's also like a weird, like Asian stereotype puppet later on, or a couple of them even. I mean, it's the 80s, so I can forgive it a little bit. But we also did just watch Big Trouble. <laughs> Big Trouble, not racist. No. And you're like, oh, is there an excuse for having this... <laughs> Fu Manchu puppet with like this yeah. kind of gross accent attached to it. You're like, okay, what are we doing, Jim Henson? Yeah. <laughs> why, are, why are these why are these puppets racist? It's super uh, weird. Written by yeah. Terry Jones of Monty Python. Yeah, so and it's like it should have funnier jokes. <laughs> it's not funny. I don't. No. I didn't. Uh, no, there's no comment. Like, apparently, they, this is also a little bit off of what Terry wanted. Um, they had to. They rewrote his script a couple. They they punched it up multiple times. It kind of it changed shape. He talked about how he wanted one thing and Jim wanted another, and they kind of went towards Jim's direction more than what his original script was. Sure. Um, which I'd be interested to see what that was, but yeah. I don't know if it's going to substantially change the shape of it. I. The things that I think are really interesting in it are only half formed. The interesting idea of like, oh, this teenage girl in the middle of being a child and being an adult. And this is, you know, it's coming of age of like, you have to be responsible. You have to be, you know, you have to take charge of your life. Um, you're going to have to avoid the creepy men that try and oh court my you. God. So weird. It's like, it is very much like, oh, yeah. David Bowie as a goblin king is going to want to marry you and like court you at a masquerade ball. The problem is that it's David Bowie and he's so charismatic. Yeah. That you don't ever Jareth never becomes a full on villain. He's he's an antagonist for sure. Mm -hmm. But even you but it's always like he's always so playful and like you never get the stakes of like oh he's actually evil. And so when that happens you don't get the idea of oh, oh Jareth's evil. And she does the, and she is strong enough and she rebuffs him. Like, and, but they don't really. Yeah, he's and, not mean to the baby. He takes no, care of the baby. He sings and dances with the baby. <laughs> this is also painted through, like, if you start bring, talking about old fairy tales, even Alice in Wonderland, which is also influenced by those old fairy tales and about medieval culture and about teenage girls getting married off, you know, in nobility when they're 14 years old when they're 16 years old, um, it happened all the time. Mm -hmm. But to tell that story in 1986 and frame it in a way that it makes sense in a modern context, you have to do it differently. And you have to make Jareth more of an evil character, um, which I think is part of the, pro like that is the, I guess the double-edged sword of casting David Bowie, because apparently he helped shape this movie a lot because he wa they wanted him and he's like, oh, I don't want it this way. I want it this way, right? I want it to be lighter. I want it to be, I want Jared to be more like, you know, I want to be able to sing. Like, it's that thing where you're like, well, because David Bowie has so much influence on the film, I'm guessing he doesn't want Jared to be a terrible monster, even though 
I think that make that would make the movie better. Right. Like even even at the very beginning, I don't sense any maliciousness from any of the quote unquote evil bad characters. Like even the goblins at the very beginning are funny and dumb and cute. They're not there to eat a baby, right? No, they're not like they're not, oh, we're gonna eat your eat your brother. Like they're like gonna, she oh. to me, she's the worst character. She's the most mean and spiteful character. I mean, she's the one who like, I wish my brother wasn't here. I wish the goblin king took him away. Yes. She's the villain. Well, it's ideally it would be the arc of the film, right? Seeing her learn her lesson. And it's kind of what you see. Yeah. But because the tone and theme is so weird and all over the place, you never really understand the stakes of it. And it's like mm-hmm. either is this serious? She's gonna lose her brother. It's pretty serious. They're going to steal a baby. There is real world implications here. Like what happens when he, he, Jareth, right at the beginning, he's like, go back, forget your brother. Like what happens when their parents come home later? (laughs) And that's where the, you know, you realize that it's a dream. Right. It's in the between a lot of places. It's in between a lot of age ranges. It's like, there's a lot of weirdly adult things in it. And there's lots of weirdly silly, childish things. Yeah. Very tonally unbalanced. I think I brought this up before in one of our discussions. I don't remember which. But to the people who love the movie, that is not a bug. It is a feature. Right. They like, they love the idea that it's so many things. They love the idea that it's weird. It's not a smooth viewing experience where we have a character and are following her journey where we take breaks to listen to racist puppets sing a song about oh, and dance and kick their heads and yell golf terms by the way like that's the like the weirdly like they they use like golf club and say four when they're hitting one of their heads around and they're like hey man it's an old me? sport it's an old sport I mean, it's in the, from the 1800s but it's it's the it like there's anachronistic things all throughout yeah. it like it and it, it's again it is a to them it is a feature to me, I'm like, if it is going to be the, all these things, I need it to be a little bit more of a smooth ride, less total whiplash yeah. back and forth. I love the practical effects. I think there's a lot of artistry in the puppets. Like, clearly, sure. it takes so much work to pilot those things or to puppet them, to make them all work in, in sequence. There's people controlling the facial stuff while someone else is piloting the thing. While you have the giant... the uh, Those are the things that are always most imp- impressive to me is whenever they have the big things that are probably weigh hundreds of pounds and they somehow have to move those guys around. It's a lot of skill involved. I, I like those things. I like the inventiveness of the, the, of the, the set designs and all of that. Right. Um, I have no problem with David Bowie or Jennifer Connelly. I think they do what they can. They're not bad. They're not bad at all. And I enjoy seeing them on screen. I just feel that this is a, this is a mid movie, man. It's not. It's not bad. It's not great. I understand that people love it, but I think that there are other things that scratch the same itch a lot better. So, for instance, if I wanted to watch a a fantasy style movie like this, I will watch Princess Bride every yes. time. If you gave me a choice between Labyrinth and Princess Bride, Princess Bride every time. That doesn't even feel fair to me. Right. Princess Bride is basically a perfect movie. Um, I think it's done correct. Now, if you're wanting to say like, well, it doesn't have any of the creativeness of Jim Henson's puppetry and his wizardry. Okay. 
then go watch The Storyteller. Have you ever seen the series Jim Henson's The Storyteller? I think I've seen episodes. I've not watched the in, in whole. I think so. It it's very much in the same vein where they take you know these old fairy tales and bring them to life through the wizardry and magic that Jim Henson only him and his studio could create. And it does a much better job. It's also done after labyrinth. So I think that he took, he, he learned his lessons from whenever labyrinth flopped at the box office, especially in the United States that he could still create that type of world, but tell more concise stories. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, fluff in, in this. You could make this an hour long. I think it wouldn't really lose anything on the other side of it. If you're looking for like an adult movie that has the same ideas of young women tackling fantasy worlds and and encountering the darkness of reality interspersed, I would say heavenly creatures, Peter Jackson. Oh, it is an incredibly dark movie, but also really plays with the idea of like, Oh, these two young women get caught up in a fantasy world and, uh, but end up, costing themselves in the real world like but it is adult and it never stops being an adult movie hmm. and it uses the tone the only time it changes the tone is when it's using it to be perfect like a purposeful uh, uh counterbalance to the darkness is like oh look at this how childish this all is and then you're like oh actually it's really scary because it is so childish in this really dark thing i've never seen it i guess i need to give it a watch we might do it for the podcast. It certainly qualifies. Um, it's very, very interesting. Um, I, I enjoy some Peter Jackson. It's a better movie than than this, I think. Um, okay. It is, but it has very similar themes, and I was thinking the entire time. I I had not watched the last time. I think I tried to watch Labyrinth. I don't think I had seen Heavenly Creatures. And now that I've seen Heavenly Creatures and rewatched this, I went, wow, Heavenly Creatures is just a better version. Oh, <laughs> this shit. It's just, I mean, it's... Heavenly Creatures is not a child's film. Okay. It is strictly an adult movie. Yes. I know there are kids who love this movie, but all the people I know who love this movie are firmly like aged adults. They, and they're like obsessed with it. Yeah. And uh, I'm wondering how much of that is tied up in nostalgia. I think a ton. It didn't do well in the box office. It was apparently came out the same close to like Top Gun and Karate Kid 2. Right. And a lot of other big movies, which kind of crowded it out, probably. But also, how do you market this? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big uh, that's a big obstacle. Like you like you look at the poster. And it's always just like pictures of David Bowie. And but it's a Jim Henson movie and there's a lot of puppets in it. Who's this for? <laughs> it's it's for George Lucas and Jim Henson. And- Terry Jones, and David, yeah, and David and, Bowie, and, and David Bowie, yeah. It's, it's like this is this feels like one of those movies that was a passion project and was made strictly because they wanted to make it, not because there was an audience for it. I'm not against people doing those things, but I'm also going to tell you, I it's not a passion project for me. I just go, <laughs> eh, it's fine. I probably won't. I probably won't ever watch this again. Oh, I mean, I I will probably have it on in the background when my kids ask to watch it, or when, I guess when my son, <laughs> yeah, ever asks to watch it. But again, he likes Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit and things like that. So you know, this fits in that genre for him. 
Oh, oh, that's the other movie I was going to say. Stardust. Oh, the new one or what? Yeah, the new, newish one. New, newer, yeah. yeah. The, the the Neil based on the Neil Gaiman story. Yeah, um, I enjoy that film a bunch. I think that to and then and that is also I think appropriate for kids. I think Stardust is. It's been a while. I don't remember. I need to. I need to go look up the old parents' guide and see if yeah. I can sit down with the kids and watch that one because it's it's definitely time for a rewatch. Yeah, but I like that's another film that was popping through my head. I'm like, if feels very like fantastical even though it's not the same but it is fantastical and features like you know kind of myth playing around with myth and 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 legend and all that so uh we we talk about siskel and ebert a bunch and their reactions are normally absolutely terrible for the films that we like they also did not like this one this is the only time that i think we're kind of in the same camp as as them more roger ebert than gene siskel uh roger ebert went on to say how it, it never really came to life even though it was made with like infinite care and pains it just never really did anything and gave it two out of four where gene siskel <laughs> called it awful with a pathetic story and a much pathetic. too complicated plot visually I- ugly style and has a violent plot Writing that this the sight of a baby in peril is one of the sleaziest gimmicks a film can employ to gain our attention, but Henson I, does it, dude. Lighten up, lighten up. I, I've I've said many times that I respect Roger Ebert's opinion, even when I disagree with him, which is some happens like roughly fifty percent of the time. Gene Siskel, I've literally never agreed with anything you said and every time i'm like what the hell is wrong with you oh my god sleazy this plot is the plot of the the plot is the simplest thing in the world it's a baby gets taken you gotta get the baby back how dare you show a baby in peril just to just to hook an audience what i mean that's a hook you're right it is a hook it's not sleazy but they don't torture the baby or anything. It's it, right. David, it's David Bowie's lovingly holding it for most of the movie. Yeah, we see a baby cry in a crib for three minutes, and Babies then cry. that's it. That yeah, exactly. Have you encountered a baby, Gene Siskel? They cry. They cry. They do that a lot, actually. I think the only crying he ever experienced was uh, himself. Oh, the big cry baby. This is just now a podcast dunking on Gene Siskel. That's all this for an hour. We know you're dead. We're still going to dunk on you. So I and also we're I we're going to get to some movies eventually that Roger Ebert did love. Sure. That that we that that he uh, was contrary to. The, the, there's two movies on our list that I know that he loved. Oh. That that most people hated. And we that I also love so that are on that, our 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 cult our classic our, list yeah our TV, TV watched list on our perspective films oh shit so they're out there and we'll get to them I'm uh, excited in, in in a good amount of time I don't want to yuck anybody's yums but yeah I'm I'm with you yeah it's just it's not for us it's not for us but yeah. that's okay you continue to enjoy labyrinth all you want share it with your family share it with your friends. Everybody belongs in their own cult. We never, ever want to make anybody feel like just because we didn't like the movie that you shouldn't like the movie. Enjoy it, celebrate it, and be a part of the cult. Thanks for listening to the Cult Video Vault. 
Be sure to follow us on Instagram and tag us in everything you think belongs on the podcast. My name is Greg, a.k.a. The Movie Mutant, and you can find me at themoviemutant.com. I'm Robbie Dorman, and you can find everything I do on RobbieDorman.com with links to purchase all of my horror novels. You should go buy them, because they're good. I'm Robbie Dorman on all social media platforms, but I'm most active on Instagram. We'll see you next time in the vault. Vault.